0: Blank Jack with Griffin and David Blank Jack with Griffin and David Don't know what to say or to expect All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Jack
1: You can never tell on a day like this. Things could be going Jake one minute, then presto, before you know it. Your podcast. Yeah. Ooh. Doo, 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 doo. That famous line. I'm sure all of you know what movie we're talking about today. Oh, everyone has just stopped their car in the middle of the highway in excitement at the idea. Okay. Keep your car running. Do I not know. create a traffic accident. And mm. put your switchblades away. Oh, put them away. Hey, You're dangerous. Watch out. This is a white hot episode of Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. Oh, it's white. Like I'm throttling <laughs> up. Yes. People are camping outside the studio, demanding that we release this episode early. They want to hear it live. People cannot wait to hear the two of us discuss The Loveless. Because what's that? (laughs) Smells like a new miniseries. Why, in fact, we are cracking open a new miniseries this week. Mm -hmm. This is a podcast about phonographies. Directors have massive success early on in their career and are given a series of blank checks. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce. Baby. Um, and this, balls. <laughs> I wish you'd said that in the movie. This is a new miniseries mm. about the films of one Catherine Bigelow. One Willem Dafoe's balls. And it is called <laughs> Pod 19, The Widow Caster. That is the name of this miniseries. God, it's so stupid. Everything is dumb everything oh, is done, But here's the thing. I don't know if you know this about us, David. Uh, I don't. What are you going to say? We are connoisseurs of context. And bowled over. Connoisseurs of context. So some people might go, oh, miniseries on Catherine Bigelow. I'll do a miniseries of Catherine Bigelow immediately after doing a miniseries on Christopher Nolan, immediately after doing a miniseries on Steven Spielberg. I'll only do her four biggest films. Yeah, the
2: ones everybody knows, as opposed to the ones literally nobody's heard of. Right. Some podcasts would do
1: that, and some would argue that's maybe a better business strategy. Hey, some of those podcasts might be on bigger networks or making lots of money. Yes. But
2: we were there first. (laughs) We announced this a while ago.
1: Baby! (laughs) Yeah. Balls! So if they want to keep being the ants to our bug's life... (laughs) The Shark Tale 2R Finding Nemo? Sure. Scorsese was in that one. He was. He's very good now. Yeah. Uh by all means go ahead. Of course the podcast that we are uh subtweeting right now is serial. Yeah,
2: no, So. yeah. Uh... <laughs> you heard us. <laughs> what if Mark Marin was like, What what's up guys? Catherine Bigelow miniseries series <laughs> coming. Can't wait to talk about Blue
1: Steel. Yeah, that's what everyone's doing now is a fucking Bigelow miniseries. <laughs> we called our shot. Way to water, motherfuckers. We called our shot months ago. Yeah. I uh, can't wait to hear what miniseries WTF is doing next. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi. What if we announce a fake miniseries to see if yeah, they announce ooh, the same thing? The and- <laughs> yeah. Oh, what
2: should it be? Oh, Jesus, like Rob Reiner. Yeah, we're going to do the films of Rob Reiner. Yeah, we're going to do... Um... Roman
0: Polanski.
2: Oh, sure, yeah. You yeah. wouldn't want yeah. Let, to... Yeah, let's... yeah, let, We should put
1: them on the trail of something really problematic. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what we should do? I got it. I got it. I got it. Let's go on the record right now. Sure. We're starting off with a new series, but we're calling our shot. We're putting it on the board right now. Next main series after this is officially Old Pods, the films of Walt Becker. Yeah, sure. We're going to do Walt Becker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so mark it. We're doing Walt Becker. And if any other podcast like seeing what we're doing, they should do Walt Becker. R.I.P. Walt Becker. Yes. The other one. Yes. Uh, great. Uh, You want to do 10 more minutes on this? Yes, please. Yeah, okay. So uh, today we're talking about The Loveless, which is the first film that Catherine Bigelow him co-directed? I guess kind of. But the, the other, uh, the man that she, I'm forgetting his name now. Monty
2: Montgomery. What a good name. How well, he was a 1930s newspaperman who uh, happened to walk through a time tunnel. And she was like, you're going to make a movie with me. And he's like, ah, it's got to be about them
0: bikers. God, uh, kids
2: love that leather and those
0: switchblades.
2: <laughs> like, um, look at this fucking guy. He looks like it's like a daguerreotype from like Deadwood. <laughs> he looks like he owns the general store in like the Indian territories. <laughs>
1: Look at this guy. He looks like the governor of Kentucky like back before it was a state. I hear when he died, they put his body on ice and toured it around at sundry shops. <laughs>
2: I know that no one can see. Oh my God. What? He's the cowboy from fucking Mohan Drive. Yes.
1: Okay, so that's what I was going to say.
2: Holy shit. I had no idea. I he just went ripped on, on him for 400 minutes. He went on
1: to a very big film career working with David Lynch a lot but never directed or wrote again.
2: He produced *Wild at Heart*. He's an associate producer on the pilot of *Twin Peaks* only, and he produced *The Portrait of a Lady*, which was, of course, directed by David Lynch and Drag. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, and and he wrote for a *Hotel Room*, uh, which he created, which was that weird uh, David Lynch spinoff, or not like that that other David Lynch show. No one ever remembers. Sure,
1: sure. So, yeah, uh, It's had a big career, but he never directed another uh, film. And so, Bigelow gets most of the credit for this one because uh, the things established in this movie kind of ripple throughout the rest of her career. I think, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yes. She's the director. Right. Uh, But she, this was her first song after being a painter. Um,
2: Yeah, well, should we dig into the the history of
1: Bigelow? Yeah, give me some context. Vroom,
2: vroom. Let me... uh... Get that ready for you. Born in San Carlos, California.
1: Cool Vroom. town. <laughs> Which is in, let's find out. Is it, here, quick guess. No or so, Cal? I'd guess Northern. Correct. Hells, yeah.
2: Her mother was a librarian. Her father was a paint factory manager. And she was a painter, like you said. Went to the San Francisco Art Institute in 1970. Uh, worked in New York. Uh, worked in Manhattan. Teamed up with Philip Glass on a real estate venture. Ooh. In which they renovated distressed departments downtown, then sold them for a profit. So
1: that's she was like a sounds really smart. A house flipper yeah. in New York's like sort of she, gritty seventies. That's probably why she uh was so good with Jeremy Renner, why she was able to make Jeremy Renner a star because they have that in common. They're both flippers. Was he a flipper? Jeremy is like a crazy flipper. You don't know this? why would I know this? This is like the biggest thing about Jeremy Renner.
2: Is Hawkeye, that's just like his side business? Yes. Like the nut is from
1: house flipping. He, he was like, when I was a struggling actor and no one was hiring me, I would, he, cause he's also like a carpenter. Sure. Sure. Much he like would Harrison like Ford. buy houses, redo them and flip them for money. And he was like a millionaire before he got famous. Huh? From flipping houses. Huh? I had no idea. Jeremy Renner also briefly worked as a makeup artist, does his own makeup on most films which is why sometimes if you see Jeremy Renner at an award show and you're like, why is he looking a little extra?
2: <laughs>
1: Go for it, Jeremy. Yeah, it's because he's got all the time in the world.
2: Then she went to film school Columbia. Okay. Um, worked with people like Susan Sontag there, studied under them, mm-hmm. and taught at CalArts. My then, alma mater that I dropped out of. No, you graduated. I and, did um, uh, No, it's, and she worked. Then she made a short film in 78 called The Setup. Okay. Which Milos Forman took a liking to. So I guess that was her first, like, you know, bit in there, mm-hmm. uh, which is apparently a deconstruction of violence in film, uh, in which two men fight each other as semioticians deconstruct the images in voiceover. Wow, we should, we should do a whole bonus episode on we that. We should. Maybe we should do a DCM episode on that. That'll be a hit, right? Yeah. yeah. Sorry,
1: yeah you, people you love talk. those DCM episodes. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, the thing that's interesting about her is she comes from this fine art background. There's this, like, very, you know, in this academic background, and there's this very slow trek to get to her actually, like, making her first feature film. Yes. And then a big gap between The Loveless and her second movie, Near Dark. But yeah, everything up until now... She's about 30 when she makes The Loveless. Right. Yeah. Everything up until now is, like, this very kind of, like, academic, intellectual, oh, yes. deconstructionist, like, genre exercise. And then what she ends up becoming is, like, this really fascinating filmmaker who's able to deconstruct gender roles and genre while still making functional genre movies.
2: Agreed. Like, that's
1: the needle she That's threats. the thing. It's
2: not too academic at all. Right. Like, it's not like people see Point Break and think, oh, a uh, little heady. Right. Yeah, well, kind of into itself. Yeah.
1: Right, right. She does a thing I love, which is like she makes movies that like, the dumbest person in the room and the smartest person in the room can both enjoy right. for different reasons. Um, uh, she also modeled for Gap in the
2: early 80s. I should probably, I should find find that.
1: And she also, I mean, was famously in uh, James Cameron's music video. James Cameron made a music video? Yeah, you've never seen this? God, why am I forgetting which band it is? Uh, James Cameron made a music video with Catherine Bigelow playing a cowboy. Uh, sure. Going into town. It's like a Johnny Guitar redo. Uh, Bigelow's like pretty, pretty badass in it. Uh, she's fucking awesome. Yeah, she's, like, a cool lady.
2: Yeah, she's a pretty cool lady. Look at her in
1: this Gap app.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Smoking a cig. I mean, that's not cool. Looks like a French movie star. Yeah, it's not cool to smoke, kids.
1: Okay, so it's, uh, the music video is called Martini Ranch. Or, I'm sorry, the band is called Martini Ranch. Sure. The song is called Reach, and the video stars, uh... It stars, it stars the It's Adrian Pazdar, Lance Henriksen, and Bill Paxton. Oh, so it's the Near Dark folks. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Bigelow's the lead now. She plays like the badass, uh, vengeful uh, cowboy. I think Martini them. Ranch might be Bill Paxton's band.
2: That is very possible. Uh, which, yeah, that seems like, yeah, here you go. Yeah. Yes, it is,
1: it is his band. You're um, correct. Yeah. I mean, I've seen every show they ever did. Yeah. Uh, you yeah, saw but, every show they did. I mean, unfortunately, Martini Ranch, RIP.
2: Uh, Martini Ranch went to the big Martini Ranch in the sky obviously but <laughs> I'm sorry alright I love Bill Paxton Yeah, uh, who's gonna pop up yeah in a couple Bigelows thankfully uh,
1: just is it just one maybe there's more two
2: maybe two maybe mm, yeah,
1: two maybe two oh yeah we're the two friends also that's a competitive advantage and no the other podcast have that going for it so put a hashtag on it come at me bro <laughs> Um. so by the way so that's her early
2: career and then mm-hmm. she works with Monty Montgomery himself uh, after she, he, he was distilling whiskey uh, you know in old oak barrels <laughs> on a dusty road uh-huh. with his donkey but then she's like Monty come on let's go make a moving picture and he's like a yep. Nickelodeon oh, sorry
1: <laughs> that was tough I mean a lot of their costs were just transporting that Nickelodeon from theater to theater because <laughs> if it would play at a festival it would take so long to get a full audience to see it
2: a lot of the cost was just spent on, on uh, convincing Monty Montgomery that it was going to work that the pictures would move I don't yeah. know how do you explain that joke but uh.
1: um but this movie they I think they got some some money or at least some research resources from the MoMA like film initiative and they made this movie for a very limited amount of money and it yeah. did the festival circuit for like years. years
2: it finally got released in the US in January 1984 Yeah and it was made, like, three three years earlier. Sure. And, and it had like gone through, like, three, all three the different festivals. titles. I think it was an early Toronto hit, actually. Yes. Back in the sort of fledgling days of Toronto. Yeah. Um, and it got her notice, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But and then, he got Willem Dafoe noticed. His first picture. His first picture. His first Also got balls. his balls
1: noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. by David
2: Sims. Yeah. Um, <laughs> David will not stop
1: talking about. Underball, baby. Yeah. He's got some sack in this movie. Because
2: he, he's. Boy, he does he. Because he, he gets cast right in Streets of Fire off yeah. of this. Yeah, And that's his first big movie. And then right. he's in to Live and Die in L.A.*, and when you see him in to Live and Die in L.A.*, you're like, "Oh yeah, Willem's like what thirty pictures deep at this
1: point, yeah. right?" Because he just seems like, "Oh, it's Willem Dafoe." Well, he was like a Chicago theater actor. Mm-hmm. He wasn't big Chicago, but he no. was a Chicago theater actor. Medium Chicago, yeah, skinny
2: Chicago. But he was a Steppenwolf guy,
1: right? Uh, let's see. Am I wrong about that?
2: I think you are, just because I think Steppenwolf Wolf was oh, not as was much of a thing. Oh, he was part
1: of. Uh, fuck, he was like part was of the part more of experimental Theater X. Yes, uh, but the other thing about him Which was he was in Milwaukee then I'm wrong about everything. You are. He's a Wisconsinite. Okay, He's a so Wisconsinite. from here on out, I will call Willem Dafoe big Milwaukee. He was once expelled
2: from high school for shooting a pornographic film. That is cool. Bet there was some
1: underball in that one. <laughs> that, that is too on brand for Willem Dafoe. It really Dafoe. is.
2: Wow. That's crazy. I am now reading an op-ed written by Willem Dafoe. <laughs> In 2009, called "What I Know About Women." <sighs> I've never had any close male friends. I wish I could do him. That's not
1: a bad Defoe.
2: Most important relationships in my life have always been with women.
1: Okay, it's gotten worse. Yeah, I can't. Yeah,
2: because now I'm
1: thinking about Spider Man. Yeah. You know? Um, that, well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Willem is Defoe of Spider Man. <laughs> he is Defoe.
2: That was like of Speederman. you know, like like a thunderclap where you like you see the flash and then like ten seconds later you hear the thunder. Where <laughs> I was like, "What are you saying? And then I was, it sort of like permeated my brain. It was like, "Shh!" <laughs> it just know, devastated me.
1: Have I ever told you when I worked at the Disney store, the like format of the Disney store employee badges was your first name and then your favorite Disney character underneath I, it. I figured. And so it'd be like, Jim! And then underneath it would say, like, Tinkerbell! And Disney... Jim sounds cool. Yeah, Jim was rad. <laughs> um, but I, Disney had just bought Marvel when I was working there uh-huh. during my brief but infamous tenure at the Disney store in Times Square. Sure. Um, so I asked if I could have Spider-Man. And they were like, I don't know. We'll have to ask corporate. That's, that's uncharted territory for us. Mm-hmm. And they, like, came back and were like, okay, we got the approval. You're going to be the first employee... Including the parks and everything. Holy shit. To have a Marvel character on their badge. Because like the deal, the ink had like just dried. I see, I see. Right, 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 right. right. Um, And I was like, amazing. Hey, make sure you put the hyphen in Spider-Man. And we were like, look, it's corporate. They're going to. They know what they're doing. Right. And I got it back and there was no hyphen. So the name tag just says Griffin Spider-Man. And it looks like it's my last name. (laughs) It looks like it's my last name. And I still have it on my fridge. But I remember working on people being like. Holy shit, is your real last name Speederman? How's it pronounced? That's crazy that you, like, work here and your last name is spelled Spider-Man. I had to push the microphone away. Griffin Spiederman. <laughs> that's amazing. What would have been your
2: backup? What's your, like, choice if you can't have a superhero? Uh,
1: Violet and Crabble. She's
2: fucking, that's
1: a No, I No, I think my backup would have been uh, uh, Jesse the Odling Cowgirl. But, but uh, one of those two.
2: I I'd take Violet over Jesse and I love
1: Violet. When I used to work for Forbidden Plan at the comic book store, mm. my name tag was Violet because at that store it was, you would, it, your name tag would be your name and then a picture of uh, a character you love. Sure. And I picked Violet. You worked at Forbidden Plan. I worked at Forbidden Plan. Yeah, not Midtown Comics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Midtown Comics. I met my wife, who's
2: a filmmaker called. Oh, you're back to the had Giada okay. Grande okay. on the street in Rome in 2004 what
1: <laughs> he that's, did is that all he knows about women that's the end
2: of the op-ed no i'm keeping going. <laughs> i knew of her because i'd seen her films and we had some mutual friends we were having lunch and i said do you want to get married tomorrow i called up city hall and they said if you get in here in the next couple hours you can register and then you can get married tomorrow so we ran down there we married the next day with just two witnesses our best friends
1: I, okay. I, I don't know what to tell you. Congratulations, Willem.
2: Anyway, uh, it's a whole long uh, editorial that you should read. It's great. And it ends with, in italics, Antichrist will be released on DVD on 11th of January. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so I I read last night because uh, I, w- I was just curious. Like, oh, was this really his first film? Yeah. I know this is like obviously his first leading role, but was right. this the first thing he had ever done? He was cast in one film earlier, but fired from it. And that movie was No, go ahead. Uh, that film was Heaven's Gate. Oh, sure. The uh, Michael Cimino. He shot 4 months. Wow. And it was one of those things where like Michael Cimino was trying to build like a, a sort of like um uh, anthropological environment. So he had all these actors who were like... They know, like lived there. Right, right. And it was like, okay, you don't have any lines in the script, but we're just gonna bring you on set every day and let things happen. And right. this character like developed. Monty Montgomery develop. was there. He was a ranch hand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the town fire commissioner. He was commissioner. taking ten types. <laughs> um, and, uh, Defoe worked on the movie for like four or five months. I he said there was this one day... That it was taking six hours to light a scene. Jesus and they goodness. had all the actors just standing still we have in to position. Do Gate. Oh, yeah. God. For six hours yeah. while he just adjusted the lights. And a background actress leaned over to Defoe and made a funny comment. And uh-huh. he laughed. And Chimino went, Willem, you're fired. Yeah. What? And he was fired and cut out of the movie. Wow, what a cool
2: guy Michael Chimino was. Definitely yeah. not a total, completely insane, v- coked up. The uh, v- chill. Uh, but um, If we did him, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, no, seven movies, but you could really wrap those last three up. Yeah. Because if you just did Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, Deer Hunter, Heaven's Gate, Year of the Dragon, that's a nice four.
1: What about the Sicilian? The Sicilian.
2: Uh, and then Desperate Hours with Mickey Rourke in yeah. 1990. Ooh. And then Sun Chaser with Woody Harrelson. Well, look, we're
1: doing uh, Michael right. Cimino next. So get ready for Michael Pacino, Mike, Michael Pacino Cimino. Michael Pacino, Michael Cappuccino. And then the Thumbnail. You did invent Becker, the Cappuccino. And everyone should follow our moves. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Everyone just copy us. Yes. So
2: The Loveless, which was originally called US 17. And then was called The Breakdown, or just Breakdown.
1: Uh, there are two taglines, and then was
2: called Underball. <laughs> Smooth underball.
1: No, okay. So Defoe is one of those guys who's kind of famous for showing the dick. I guess so. What's what's, what's he got the dick? In I'd the say hand? there are a
2: couple male actors who like are they, not. Uh, there's like a few instances. Kaitel. You mean your your Bacon's your Kaitels, right. Right, right? right.
1: Showing that little bacon strip,
2: <laughs> little rasher.
1: Yeah, Kaitel. I believe there's a an Oh Hello sketch where John Mulaney's character <laughs> refers to Kaitel's penis as that. That little snub nosed pistol, <laughs> yes, that is correct, which I can never get out of my mind uh there's a there's a movie where kaitel shows full wing, and I forget what it is kaitel, no, you mean Defoe, I'm sorry Defoe there are too many movies where kaitel shows full wing, uh including national treasure <laughs> <laughs> he wow, shows full first, wing.
2: first thing well, Antichrist, I think he is oh, he
1: shows some wang in that, and then he loses his wang. yeah,
2: To... To, to being it being but cut, that
1: wasn't the first time. I'm telling you, this guy likes showing the wing.
2: Well, here's a college humor post called Nine Famous People You Didn't Know Had Mondo Dongs, <laughs> which is probably our greatest piece of uh, journalism. Oh, college humor would like to send me push notifications. Oh, yeah, don't yes. allow yes. opt in, <laughs> opt in. <laughs> uh, Lars von Trier says that... Oh, Willem's I thought you were <laughs> listing Lars von Trier as the first <laughs> Mondo dong. Yeah. Lars von Trier says Willem's penis is, quote, confusingly large. <laughs> Don't really know I'm what that means. I'm just imagining
1: Lars von Trier on set, Antichrist. Willem Dafoe walks on set, takes off his pants, and everyone goes, uh, okay, so uh, places and speeding, and they go, wait, 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 They hold up, on. like, the light meter to it. Right, he just goes... I need to figure this out. <laughs> Just leans in, cocks his head. Cocks his head. I don't understand. Yeah, he cocks his head. Oh boy! Um, can I give you two taglines for this movie? Uh, you mean like real taglines or Griffin yeah. taglines? No, sure. real taglines for Andy B. Mm-hmm. Sworn to fun. Dot dot dot. What? Loyal to none. <laughs> exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> oh, what a romp! Okay, here's the second one. Muscles clad in black leather, dot, 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 incest, dot, 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 and murder. I mean, it's got it all. Yeah. Uh, we're going nowhere, f- dot, dot, dot,
0: fast. Yeah, I mean, that's, I that's a
1: good one. I would say that sums up the movie pretty well. Ben's making origami right now. That's how bored he is.
0: <laughs> oh. No, I'm just full, uh, yeah.
1: Who, producer Ben? <laughs> ben Dusner? Purdue, Ben? Poet Laureate? The Haas? The Peeper? The tiebreaker, birthday Benny, soak what with Benny, white hop Benny, the meat lover, the fart detective, the fuckmaster. He is not Professor Crispy, but he has graduated to certain titles over the course of different main series, such as Kylo Ben, producer Ben Kenobi, Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben Sate, Ailey Bands with the dollar sign, Say Benny Thing, Warhawks, and Perdurer Bane.
0: Ah, take control. Take control of this episode. <laughs> Please do.
2: Yeah. I'm reading a college humor piece right now.
0: About Dons. <laughs> on air. I've made 40
2: jokes about an actor no one's heard of because of his IMDb profile picture.
0: Okay. Which well, I
1: encourage you to all check out. Monty Montgomery. You're going to have a great time. I promise you, not <laughs> since the IMDb Mordecai picture will you have such a fun uh, time okay. looking.
0: Okay. All right.
1: What a great movie. So listen, yes. We're talking about The Loveless, and we're avoiding talking about
0: it, huh. and I get it. I will say this. This is a movie that five people have seen? Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: It's
2: on Amazon Prime it's on Amazon right Prime. now. I don't know when if how long that'll last for, but hopefully it's hopefully forever, because they're a great company and you can trust them. Did your Amazon Prime just cut to gray like yes. a few times? And okay. I was like, oh, is my signal bad? And I was like, no, I think this is the print.
1: Which I kind of loved about yeah. it. Because like, remember when you'd watch like shitty VHSs and, yeah, sometimes and it would you'd be like, just got rented too much, it's too broken up, and then digital makes everything too clean. It's like, no, some shitty movies. They just put a shitty version this of it. is all they had on a streaming site. Yeah. It like pixelates and turns white like, yeah, like at five different points. Like 5 minutes into the movie and then yeah. it doesn't
2: do it again. It's just like in the first reel. I had it again at the end. Oh really? Maybe one more time at the end. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say, Benny, though? Sorry.
0: Save oh, anything? No. no, please. I'm yeah, just please trying save to save anything. Okay, I'm just trying to get us somewhat back on track. Okay. Because I love I love talking about Underball just like the next guy. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're,
2: we're going to talk about it.
0: All right. Great. But I just want to say this movie hits a couple of things for me. I love biker stuff, right? Dark yeah. bike Benny right on. here. I mean, are, I mean, these are, you know, big, big fan. bike. Yeah. But, big, but still. Big bike. But uh, I love a good motorcycle jacket. I love a good switchblade. This thing has a great poster. That like Defoe yeah.
2: with the leather jacket, no
1: shirt. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. holding a cigarette all yeah. in black. His underballs get the and.
2: <laughs> carry on, Ben, carry on. You, uh, this is your kind of movie. So yeah. This is
0: that kind of movie. I, I fell asleep watching it, though. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of, it's not, yeah. there's not it's, a
1: lot. It's a languorous. Yeah. It you know, is it's slow. It's a mood piece. I mean, we're they're going nowhere fast is kind of accurate. <laughs> I found yeah. a fourth tagline. Yeah. On the VHS.
2: I'm looking at the cover okay. of the VHS. You never can tell on a day like this, dot, dot, dot. Things could be going Jake one minute. Then presto, before you know it, your history.
1: That's also a quote from the movie. I almost did that. Jake? I did, that was the opening quote I did. I know, I right. know. It's, what the fuck is that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I thought you had the answer. No, I got no you idea. You had a whole pause there. No, I just thought it was funny.
2: It is funny. Well, also, yeah. how many quotes are listed on IMDb? Four.
1: <laughs> yeah, like one of the other ones, like, Come on, stop it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I love to think of someone just carefully entering, yeah. like, Hey, you.
1: <laughs> one of the quotes it says here is just rev, rev, vroom, vroom. Kickstand. <laughs> Kickstand gets the width in this movie. <laughs>
2: hey, hand me that Hand me that wrench. <laughs> That's a good line in this movie. <laughs> uh, featuring the mu- music by, this is, this is what's on the VHS, no Willem Dafoe name. Okay. His picture is on it, but Robert Gordon. Who is second build. The, ki- the, 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 the ki- Kings, well, I don't know. Little Richard, Brenda Lee, the Penguins, Bill Justice, and others. That's so, some music.
1: Robert Gordon's a musician, was friends with Catherine Bigelow. She sure. cast him in the role, and he oversaw... He wrote the original music and, and he oversaw the uh, Davis, rest of the soundtrack.
2: Who's kind of like greaser number two, right? I mean. Yes. He, is he the one who shoots the gun at the end? Yes. Like believe... kind of wildly
1: at nothing? Yeah. I, or maybe that's the sideburnsy guy. I can't remember. But Willem Dafoe plays Vance. And there are five bikers in this movie. Maybe. Count them. Yeah. <laughs> a few. Right. It's a real gang. But it's kind of Defoe, who's like sort of the lone wolf and then. A group of others. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And this movie is kind of like, it it feels like a film school deconstruction of, like, the biker movie, and the biker iconography, and all of that.
2: It's an 80s version of that. So we're talking many years after the sort of biker movie craze, Like, which you think
1: you associate with the 50s. Right, which apparently she, like, obsessively watched all the biker movies that MoMA had in their archives and everything, and studied it pretty uh, you know, recreated pretty immaculately, but I feel like this film is uh, one of the large things it's doing is kind of like thumbing its nose at like how the the how biker, quote
2: cool these people were,
1: how cool they were, and how they like went through this homogenization where they were like like dangerous people mm-hmm. who then became like kind of cool dangerous mm-hmm. to like a comfortable level of danger to then the fawns. <laughs> it's true, you know. Yeah. So yeah. by the time this movie came out, bikers were just kind of like an archetype, like mm-hmm. cowboys. Mm-hmm. Similarly, like dangerous people mm-hmm. who now are just turned into like things that kids can pretend to be on a schoolyard. Right. And I feel like a lot of what this movie's trying to do is be like, these guys were gross. For sure. This was a gross culture.
2: Well, and that's, that's so much of her filmography as well, right? Because right. she usually makes movies about men. Yes. And uh, machismo, and, Usually and, macho, right. macho men who are like maybe in law enforcement, maybe in the military. Right. Like There's a lot. Of, and yeah, and then she just sort of just tries to pull all of the cool sheen down or mock it, build it up and make it even more ridiculous, you know. Like right. She's very I mean her short film was semi auticians talking about men fighting.
1: I mean, right? Like and that's yeah. just she's just expanding that out. Yeah, she's just uh figuring out how to show and not tell that same thing. <laughs> right. It was a problem the short film sounds like it's heavy on the telling. Yeah. Um but this movie starts with like you know, Defoe looking badass, music playing, voiceover. And then Mm -hmm. yeah, he's like driving on the road for a while. Yeah. And then he like He like pulls over and the music cuts out immediately. And then there's this like weird overhead shot that goes on for a long time. A lot of shots that go on for a long time in this movie. Of like him readjusting without the music and like taking the time to set up on his bike. Yeah. And then once he revs up, the music starts right, again. Right, right. And it almost feels like a comedy routine thing. Like it's a gag that like a lot of movies use where it's like you're doing something cool and but then something embarrassing but happens. It's quiet though. Right. It's it's very like a quiet. very
2: quiet arty version of that gag.
1: Right. But I think the point is like immediately deflating, like yes, yes. you know, well, it takes them two times to like get the motorcycle going. Like it it's right. not all cool and seamless. And they're going to Daytona. It's in
2: Florida. Right. They're going to the race. They stop at some town. Yeah. And then they hang out in the town
1: for a while. Cool. So that's been our episode on The Loveless.
2: Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Willem Dafoe takes out his balls and gently rests them on a woman's butt.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: now That's been our episode on The Loveless. And
0: we're done.
1: <laughs> See, I thought it was a sex scene, but now I realize how dumb I was. Well,
2: because I mean if it's a sex scene, then here's the sex they were having. They he, li- he she lies down on the bed, nude. Uh-huh. He is nude too. He lies down on top of her. Like an older brother lying on a younger brother, trying to like keep him down by sort of squishing him. He's so, just sort of lying on top of. You're getting that. some good defoe butt. Yeah, it's sort of so sort of their bodies entwined, right? Which Two hardboiled legs like, under a napkin. Yeah, <laughs> could be like a piece of erotic imagery. Sure. And then he just kind of gets up. Yeah. He just sort of like gets up. Yeah. Like sort of, he's sort of crouching over her for a second. Uh-huh. There's, you know, he's sort of his downward dog. Yeah, he's doing downward dog, and then he like gets off her. Yeah. So, like, I don't know what they were doing there, but uh, I yeah. guess maybe just a gentle ball resting. Yeah, maybe
1: she was like, Do you want to have sex? And he was like,
2: No, I'm, pre- I, I'm pretty wow.
1: I'm pretty tired. I'll I'm tell you. I'm into some crazy stuff. My so. balls are especially petered right now. Do you mind if they take a nap on your butt? Do you mind if my balls take a nap <laughs> atop your butt? Oh, God.
2: Imagine if this is someone's like, oh, wow, they're doing Catherine Bigelow. That's an interesting choice. I think I'm going to jump into the series. Blank check. I've heard it's good. Can't wait to hear them deconstruct this art film she made. Let my balls take a nap. Soft balls
1: on the butt. (laughs) Let them soft. Lie them down. Thank God his balls weren't hard. That would have been really embarrassing if he had erect balls. (laughs) Woo! Uh, Past and Future guest J.D. Amato great friend that's, that's, what a good guy of uh, the show great friend of my life yeah um, he and Connor Ratliff
2: J.D. Amato is the kind of person I can't see because anytime I do we have to talk for a day yeah, you know what I mean. I'll be like, "Hey, let's just go get a grocery sandwich." Like, I got I got a be place in an hour, but like, you know, let's let's sit down for a second, and then it'll be like four hours later, and we're a still talking ago, about God knows what. Yeah,
1: a couple of weeks ago, JD and I met up and just hung out Washington Square Park at like 10 p.m. until like two o'clock in the morning. Sounds like an episode of 12-hour day. Yeah, yeah, it was, but but it was like usually we like structure an activity of like let's go get dinner, or go yeah, see, let's a, see movie. a movie. Yeah. And we we're like, no, we just want to talk for four hours. Yeah. Let's just like sit and talk. Um, but uh, he and Connor Ratliff. Uh fellow friend of the show. Yep. Past feature guest. Uh y- we're doing a like secret screening series for a little while. I know, I know. It was yeah. Okay. And so it cool. had been kind of uh, uh well attended, well received, people liked it. And then like the third one they did was The Loveless. And oh. J D said so many people walked out and were confused that it like killed the entire series.
2: Wow. It is uh yeah, it's not what you expect. Because I think I saw what the movie was. I yeah. didn't know anything about it really when we were starting. And I was like, oh, this will just be like a B picture. It'll That's be like thought. a genre picture with like switchblades. Right. Willem Dafoe being cool. There won't be balls, but it'll be good. Or like
1: some Repo Man weird kind of like video exactly. greaser thing. Yeah, I with thought. like a really
2: yeah. sort of like pumped up soundtrack. Right. And, and instead it's like this, I mean, me and Ben were talking about it. It's sort of this like proto-Twin Peaks yeah. kind of like like mockery of american like suburban life just a lot of chilling out
1: yeah it makes sense that around. montgomery
2: like teamed up with uh wood lynch david lynch yeah because yeah, it's like a lot of like shots of a table at a diner right and some people being
1: kind of like right i mean on Mike. right he made this movie then he went to the river to sift for gold and then he went to work with david lynch uh, there's a scene at the, at the near beginning of this film when Defoe is just fucking king of the road and there is a woman in, like, a cool 50s car who, uh, which is broken down by the side of the road. Sure. And, like, the music is, like, twanging guitar and he's there, like, all fucking leather, sexy Willem Dafoe. and You're watching the movie and you're like, okay, for this first chunk, Willem Defoe's not opening his mouth. Right. And you're seeing this Defoe face Devoid of crevice and wrinkle, and which is true, but still, what a face! Right, because well, like we do think of him as a yeah, a, a, a lined faced man. He's a leathery Many man, a line. and he has a crazy bone structure. Right, And he of course has a famous smile. Well, that's what I was going to say. Oh, sure, sure. His mouth is closed, and you're seeing him kind of in this pristine condition. He's you're like, thin oh, lips. what? What a kind of good looking guy. Because like, Very there handsome. always was something weirdly sexual and seductive about him. I think in. Arguably every performance he's ever given.
2: I, I Certainly most of them, yeah. But, right. But, like... But it's always a little, dare I say, it's
0: like, twisted. Yes. Twisted.
2: Yes. But, uh, but this movie
1: you're watching when you're, like, kind of conventionally hunky. And then the first kind time... Of, but he's, still, he's kind of slim. He's very pale. He does have, like, right. a slightly snake-like sort well, of... Uh, and then yeah. he smiles. Yeah. And he's got those creepy goblin teeth. He does. And immediately it's like, okay, right, to It's He's... He's, he's a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, so he gets out of the car and it feels like it's this like sexy setup but then he starts talking and immediately you're like, ooh, teeth. And he's like very slowly and seductively like fixing her car. Yeah. While right. like smoking a cigarette. Yeah, and you're like, She's okay, okay, cool. Cigarette. Here we go, here we right. go. This kind of thing. You here we know? go. This kind of setup which like, you know, uh, it might just be simmering tension that never pays off. Old simmering term. tension. Right. But then he like, you know, asks her for money really grossly Yeah. He's like, you know, usually people would uh, pay me for something like this.
2: Yeah, right, right, right.
1: And she's like, I'm usually on the receiving end of the cash. Like very kind of like stock biker movie dialogue. Exactly, right. She gives him like a couple singles. Then he takes her wallet, takes all the money out of it, leans to the car, kisses her, gropes her. Cool. Rides off. So the movie's like very quickly laying out like, this guy sucks. No good. Don't. Let him put your balls, his balls, on you, or your balls on him. No, if that's what he's asking for. Uh, gross. This is a gross man. Yeah. Rides these people are useless. Right. Yes. They're going nowhere fast. Yeah,
2: they're going nowhere slow. Yes, that's honestly. They're going nowhere. Real moody and atmospheric.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he they're in this town. He gets to a diner where he meets up with like his other his bros, including Robert Gordon. Now, unlike. Christopher Nolan, he's not rolling with the Warner Bros. No. He's rolling with his Biker Bros.
2: Yes, thank you.
1: Not Just the Biker
2: Boys of the 2002 mm-hmm. film, Biker Boys.
1: Orlando Canada Jones movie. is nowhere to be seen here. Is it 2002? That's oh, not it.
2: 2003,
1: God damn it! I was going to guess three. What a fool I am. I was going to guess three. I distinctly um, remember watching, <clears throat> excuse me, mm. an entertainment tonight, like first look behind the scenes of Biker Boys, like a year before it came out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that feels like a lot of ramp up for this movie. <laughs> this doesn't feel like we're we have yeah. an early first look on the Give set of Guardians weeks. of the Galaxy 2. Yeah.
0: You know, you you mentioned biker bros. Correct. I'm I'm realizing the biker kind of archetype is like proto-men's rights. Ooh. Because sure. think about it, like bikers, they're always kind of portrayed where they just like will randomly throw a bottle because they're twisted and crazy, you yeah. know? Or they'll just like Push somebody and laugh about it, you yeah. know. Some like, kind
1: of proto Joker to me. You're saying they do twisted things and laugh about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: wait. I got a pitch, please. Do you know if Warner Brothers is looking to make any Joker
2: movies? They, they've said absolutely not. There's no money in it. We don't want to tarnish the brand anyway. But maybe you can change their minds. What
0: if Joker a biker?
2: <laughs> Bike Joker.
0: Uh, joke biker of, it's
2: kind of good though it's kind of good it's kind of no. good
0: oh my god he is a biker it, gang you can know just
2: the thing when you're talking about any masculine archetype then yeah. you can say like oh it's proto men's rights because men rights is like the worst people who are like but what about when we just got to do whatever we wanted and we were unchecked
1: and like you know like well that's the other thing i think this movie is really getting at yeah which is the like oh the good old days sucked well, right. You know, yes. it's like an yes. '80s movie, yes. like oh, depicting a simpler time in the '50s, de- depicting a longer time ago. Right. And it's yeah. like people have always been bad. Not that there's any concept of time in this movie. You're just sort of going off right. the imagery, right? But the things that like get lionized with time and become like sort of nostalgic and pristine, we're always like kind of grody when you're living through them. It's in a the same movie. way, in the same way that kids will look up to men's rights activists 30 years from now, be playing men's rights activists on the playground mm. like cowboys and bikers. Exactly. I'm a red pill boy. I'm a Twitter troll. Yes. LOL, cuck. Can I throw out a hot Joker take? And this isn't a joke. This is a real hot Joker take. Uh Uh-huh. If they announced that Todd Phillips, Scott Silver, Martin Scorsese movie, and it wasn't about the Joker, I would be 100% into it. You'd be 100% into it? If they said, this is a movie that's like an origin story. It's like Scarface with a supervillain, but it wasn't literally the the Joker. It was
2: like Black Mask. Right, it was like some villain that hasn't been
1: done. It was literally not a DC villain. Or, or what if it was the Penguin though? My argument would be create a new character. Uh huh. Make that movie as its own thing, as like a deconstruction. John Phillips isn't a good director. Though. I think he's an interesting. I know. Director. I know. I, I don't totally disagree with you. I don't like the majority of his movies. Right. But even when I don't like his movies, I think he has qualities that are. I mean, I'm just like, look, Scorsese, you've got you've got chips. Why are you
2: pushing them in on Todd Phillips? And I know he's not actually doing that. It's more like Warner Brothers are paying him I a think lot Phillips of money. is like
1: begging, right? Well, no,
2: it's like Warner Brothers is like, we need that for the prestige and maybe like a phone call to Leo or
1: whatever. You know, like Scorsese is sort of their connect to Well, prestige. and I think Phillips yeah. wants to make a Scorsese movie. Yeah. I think he's like, can Scorsese, like, I think he's trying to do the Super 8 where it's like J.J. J. Abrams being like, I want to make an Amblin movie. Spielberg, can you help me make an Amblin movie? Phillips like wants to make an 80s Scorsese movie, but I'm more interested in Todd Phillips trying to make grody, like, Maybe. dark comedies he than mainstream also comedies. Cool, though. Well, kind of. But I, I would know. rather him make that kind of movie than like big mainstream <sighs> comedies, because at this point, I think he's like is so interested in like the perversity of the human spirit that to like put that in a four quadrant movie always feels kind of gross to me. Rather than just making a movie about grossness. Yep, that's uh, my take. Um. Well, we'll do war pods. Yeah. Someday. Right. So the exact order is Chimino, then Becker, then Phillips. Yeah. So if you're another podcast, you want to bank up episodes in advance, I would do four episodes on each of those right now. Here's my Todd
0: Phillips pitch do a prequel to the hangover, call it The (laughs) Buzzed. Jesus Christ. (laughs) This is an emergency. Oh, my God. Like, uh, it's the characters that are in high school.
1: It's that much of a prequel? It's not even them drinking the night before? No, no let's no. not
2: take it any further. He made it. He was perfect what he said. Why don't we just leave it there? Fine. Fine. Okay. There is currently a bidding war for that phrase, that, that sentence he just asked. Under, then under. probably could sell that. <laughs> yeah, of course. If he said hangover but teenagers. Hangover but the teenagers. And it's called the buzz. Yeah. Someone's like, $25 million budget. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, wow. Well, uh. Jeez, I don't know where to start. I guess one of them gets locked in the fucking janitor's closet.
1: Ben, yeah. Stop. Okay, sorry. Stop. You hit gold, stop digging. Hit oil. I should have said hit oil. You hit gold, whatever. You hit
2: gold. You were digging for gold. So there's a girl in this movie called Talena. Uh huh.
1: She's played by Marin Cantor. Uh huh. She's being abused by her dad. Now she has scars. Uh-huh. Which I could not make out on the shitty tough tough on the transfer. Yeah. Right, it's a very low res transfer, and the scars are invoked, and I could not see them. Yeah, perhaps very subtle, effective makeup work that was right. not perceptible on the uh, Amazon Prime. Right, yeah. this looks like someone took a VHS, yep. and then scratched it with rocks, <laughs> and then pooped on it. It and took then,
2: a VHS and then like put it on a motorcycle, threw the
1: motorcycle right. off a cliff, <laughs> and then transferred it to mini DV. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> like, is this what they showed at fucking J.D. Amato's like secret screening? I have no idea. Because Maybe- if it was a transfer,
1: this shitty, I yeah. Could, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, th- he asks her how she got those scars, and she says, "From her abusive father." Sure. Well, I've heard that once before from a guy who then later made up a different story about how he got those scars. Richard T. Ricky T. Let's just do more
2: callbacks to the Nolan series. That was when we were really flying high. Um, prestige is good. The point is that Dog all roads
1: lead back to Joker. Oh, for
2: fuck's sake. I really never again. Just, just, just. I, you I, never want to like, talk about Rick again? From Cesar Romero to Jack Nicholson is 33 years, right? Uh-huh. From Nicholson to Ledger is 19 years. Yeah. From Ledger to Lido is like eight years. Right. And from Leto to to like... Brendan Thwaites. Whatever. (laughs) To fucking Jake Paul, you know, like some Vine star, is going to be like three years. So like at a certain point, Warner Brothers is going to be making a new Joker movie like every other week. Yeah. That's that's sort of the like extrapolation we can make
1: here. And you know, we all, I think collectively as a people, agree that the thing we like the most about Joker is backstory. (laughs) Everyone wants
2: to know... How did he get
1: those scars? It's not like he's a character that has been proven conclusively has been functions well best.
2: known for not having a backstory. <laughs> now we all know what happened to the Joker. He fell into a vat of toxic clowns. Yes, and he got turned into one after he crawled out of the vat. Yeah, he was a, he was a crazy clown,
1: and that's yes. what happened. Batman he knocked him into a vat of toxic clowns. He got uh, he was bitten by a radioactive Comedia Dellarte performer. <laughs> Oh, God. And had to fulfill one of the the classic (laughs) archetypes of the theater.
2: The Joker. Yeah, he fell into a vat of uh, discarded playing cards. (laughs) And he it was a 50-50 shot. He was either going to turn into the Joker or the rules of bridge. (laughs) Card (laughs) man. And uh, and yeah, he got the Joker. Imagine if he was the rules of bridge and he was just obsessed (laughs) with the rules of bridge. That was his gimmick. (laughs) Everything had to adhere to the rules of bridge.
1: He, uh, of course, we're joking here, but of course was bitten by a, a radioactive balloon animal and then was turned into an evil bar mitzvah DJ. <laughs> well, that was Leto's <laughs> take. Um, no, my favorite Batman
2: joke is just always like, ex-villain, he fell into a vat of toxic Y. You know, like it's just always <laughs> funny. Like, yeah. uh, Mr. Freeze, he fell into a vat of toxic ice cubes. Like, you could just do it all day. So the Loveless is about- <laughs> Vat of toxic calendars. Yeah.
1: The Loveless is about a biker named Vance who fell into a vat of toxic leather. Yeah,
2: yes, he did. He can't get it off.
1: Except for a underball scene. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, he is Leatherman, not Slenderman. Not Slenderman. Defoe could play Slenderman. Defoe would be a great Slenderman. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for Slenderman Begins. Someone tweeted out last night, do you know there's an animated, a CGI animated Top Cat movie called Top Cat Begins? (laughs) That was released theatrically in Mexico because in Mexico, Top Cat's like the biggest cartoon character of all time. I knew none of these things. Like 40 years later, even though there's still only like 13 episodes of Top Cat ever made, (sighs) Top Cat like lives large and he's like this symbol of like the oppressed rising up. In Spanish, it's called
2: Don Gato, El Inicio de la pandilla.
1: So they decide to make a Top Cat movie explaining how the gang got together because everyone's always wondered— how all those alley cats got together? Because why would a bunch of alley cats stay Benny, close to each other? Choo choo, brain, Who Benny the ball, fancy fancy. Uh, do you want to know the crazier thing? Oh, uh, the previous film was entirely animated in Adobe Flash. Thank you. <laughs> is that way? Is that what you're going to top cap begins is a sequel to a movie <laughs> that was animated in Flash, <laughs> and that movie was weirdly successful in Mexico. So then they were like, "Fuck, let's put real money into this." Adidas CGI movie Top Cat Begins has bombed. Top Top Don
2: Gato Isupandia, which means Top Cat and his gang. That was the uh, Flash movie. The Flash movie, which made fourteen point seven million dollars. Yeah, and uh, cost negative eight dollars to me. (laughs) I don't know. Um, right, whereas Top Cat begins costs cost $8 million to make and it made half that worldwide. Yeah, wow, yeah.
1: what a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this that, like, Mexico loves Top Cat for well, some top reason. Top Cat's fucking cool. He's the don I of mean, Cats. Top Cat rules. He's got a purple suit <laughs> yeah. and a hat. Yeah. Uh, what else does he do? And the Top Cat is, like, the ultimate outsider because the man just fucking hates him. Officer Dribble comes around every day knocking on his tin can. Mm-hmm. trying to tell <laughs> Top Cat what's up. Top mm-hmm. Cat's just trying to live his life. Trying to carry well, he's around always, a he... fish skeleton in his mouth, <laughs> trying to wear a nice little hat and a vest.
2: He's always got a scheme, right? He's always got some get rich quick idea. Well, he does. I mean, yeah. yes,
1: yes. Top but Cat's that's fine. On he's opener.
2: trying to fucking, you know, rub two sticks together here. He's trying to make a living. He was dealt a bad hand. He's trying to get out. Um, Top Cat's cool. Loveless is, uh, quote unquote, cool, you know, but Bigelow's like, or is it? Yes. Anyway, my point was just Selena. She's getting abused by her father. Well, let's,
1: well, let's, let's, let me say. Oh, the, I'm sorry. You've got more plot to go through. Let me say the five words I need to say in between where we are and that point. Sure. They go to a diner. His bros show up. They start making a ruckus. Yeah. But not in a really loud, exciting way. No, in a Kind of boring, annoying way. Just quietly being kind of boring. Yeah. And then he sees this pretty lady. Yeah. He follows her, starts flirting with her. While She's the, pretty. The rest of them go into the garage. Yeah, yeah, and they're just in the garage for the rest of the movie. Right, pretty it's much. It's just like, hand me that wrench. Until the very end, they're just kind of roughhousing, talking shit, in the garage, and then he gets in the car with this girl, Elena, who he's flirting with. Yeah, she's got short hair. Yes. Uh, she's cool. Right, now she seems uh, genuinely cool, as opposed to this sort of like postury, kind of like no, she's, stereotypical she's pretty awesome.
2: cool. She was in Ladies and Gentlemen the Fabulous Stains.
1: Cool. That's all I got. Uh, this, this is one of those movies where it feels like uh, everyone is totally, like, completely uh, dubbed. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. Which I think a lot of low-budget, like, early first films, they'll do that to save money mm-hmm. uh, on not having to record sound at the time. Uh, and her dialogue, it's, like, especially uh, notable. It, yeah, noticeable. The, the, the ADR is not great. Is not great. Um, but it gives her this weird kind of like disconnected, heightened kind of uh, I don't know, appeal, mm-hmm. draw. Um, but they have this talk, uh, in the car about her scars, which come from her father, who is no good, very bad. Don't do it. Played by Jadon Ferguson. Yes, uh, who does actually get the end in this yeah, film? Yeah, he does. I think he is because he is
2: an actor, right?
1: Who had been in movies, right? Um, but they go to a hotel room. Yeah, he lays the balls down. Takes a little ball nap on the butt. Ball nap happens. And just as he is, you know, casually removing the balls from atop the the butt, gunshots. Oh, no. Father's outside the motel room, and he's hopping mad. Making
2: a ruckus. And he... uh, He's mad at one person. Is it the ball napper? No. (laughs) It's the ball nappy. The bed for the balls. (laughs) Where he's like... He he yells at her, sort of hassles her, yes, and uh, drags her out of there. And then later at the bar, he like comes to see Willem Dafoe, and he's like, "Look, I know it's not your fault. Yeah, boys will be boys, essentially.
1: Yes." Uh, so he's got the real right idea, this guy, right? Yeah, he's he's definitely a good father. Uh, yes, he has a uh, physically and sexually abusive relationship with his daughter, who is clearly uh, severely damaged by it. Correct. Um. He. uh... Willem
2: Dafoe deals with the situation, of course, totally appropriately. Running
1: away doesn't do anything. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Willem. Yes. Uh. And at the end of the movie, the biker boys have uh reunited Dafoe with his garage gang. Yep. They're off to Daytona. Right. And they're in a bar. Yes. And the father is there. Yes. J. Don. He's Ferguson. like these fucking bikers. They're communists. I'm telling you, they're communists. I don't like them. He's getting riled up with some other drunk, middle aged men. Sure. And they decide to start some shit with them. Yep. At which point, the daughter shows up and shoots her dad. With a pistol. Several times. Yeah, and he dies. And everyone else is like doing like fun, kind of cool, like gun violence. Yeah, like, they're sort laughing of shooting the guns around. Yeah. Not yep. hitting anyone. And, you know, 50s like swing music is playing. Yeah. And uh, snapping. And then every time it cuts back to her, she's just standing there sullen, having yeah. murdered her father Yes, for the and horrific user. crimes he has visited upon her her whole right. life. Right. Uh, and then the movie ends with them driving away. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, she kills herself. Yes. She goes Almost in the front seat of her car.
2: In a long, drawn out, actually really effective
1: suicide scene where yes. she's sort
2: of slowly inching the gun towards her mouth. And yeah.
1: Defoe stands there watching her, does nothing, and then gets on his bike and rides off with his boys. Um, I read a review. Then there's like
2: 14 minutes of bloopers, which I, I I'm sad I didn't get to see. I'm gonna go <laughs> yeah, back and check safe. it out. Ben
1: was a tie tie boy. Yeah, uh, weirdly that they're all Jackie Chan bloopers. <laughs> yeah, they're they from just the tuxedo. attached a Jackie Chan reel. There was a mix-up. Yeah, It's just from the tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a review I read because I was reading a lot of reviews to try to make sense of this movie last night. Yeah. Uh, from the time of it's released, but also like more modern essays. And someone said that, like, the this kind of importance of the ending, and I, I'm sorry for not remembering who it was who said this, is that, like, in the eyes of, like, the Defoe character and these biker guys who are, like, sort of these, like, nihilists, nothing matters, yeah. like, live for fun kind of thing, like, killing yourself is kind of the coolest thing you could do. Right. But the thing that they'll always, like, threaten, like, we don't care about our lives, we live on the edge. But he's sort of there, just like frozen. Yeah, he is. He struck has, by her, someone who actually has real pain rather than just. P- Pestiche impression, you know,
2: angst. an impression of X. Yes. Yeah. And he can't like extend any emotion to her because he doesn't have any like, right. well to draw from. Right. So he's, yeah, he's just like a little standee, basically.
1: Now we've covered the entire movie. And you might say... It's like, what, 72 minutes long? 75, I believe. Yeah, yeah. You might say, well, it sounds like you only described five scenes. There are only five scenes in this movie. Pretty much. They are long. But it's pretty much five scenes. Yeah. With music. Five, five like, ten.
2: situations.
1: Yeah. 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 Five happenings. Yeah. Oh. Uh, this is definitely a happening.
2: Um, the Loveless. How long have we been running, Ben? Two hours. About an hour. Hey man, we're doing great. Oh god, come on. Jesus
1: Christ. Now we can just riff for twenty minutes. It's great. Okay. Cool. Um, What's going on with you?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean this was our thing, like it was like we really wanted to do Catherine Bigelow. And it was like, okay, there are two episodes that we're gonna have a real hard time getting anyone to listen to.
2: Right. But there's always there's usually
1: that the first, first episode. movie for us where we set the table, we were like, that's fine. The one we, we worried- need
2: to like loosen up anyway. For, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: we gotta loosen up because we get so tight. We get so <laughs> uptight. Oh God, this we I know. I'm such a scold. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Why? Why? Why didn't cut
2: me off more? I, you know, I hate that I cut you, you off during our two-hour, fifteen-minute episodes. <laughs> um, when you have extensive publicity, com- you know,
1: obligations yeah. for a massive
2: corporation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A really good, a really good company who's yeah. only done good things, never done anything bad ever. <laughs>
2: um.
1: Uh. Yeah. We were worried about this episode, and we were worried about the weight of water, which is a movie that no one knows existed. But that one's. It's crazy. It's crazy. Have you watched it now?
2: No. Just that it exists. Oh, yes. We were like, wait, she did this movie then and with these people? Yes.
1: These people? The problem is no one remembers it, and nope. I don't know if anyone will watch it. So, boy, right, we're we're going to have to get a good guest for that episode. Mm-hmm. I have to weigh that out. Do, 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 do. With an A-list guest. So, Mark Marin will be appearing on our do, do. Weight of Water episode coming a couple weeks from now.
2: I would, I would love to get Baron
1: on this show. I would love to get Baron. I, I would, would love to lock the gates. Lock the
2: fucking gates with him, you know? Just lock him and just talk about the weight of water, how yeah. much it weighs.
1: Yeah.
2: How much does it weigh? Yeah. So who are your waves? Who are your seas? Caspian?
1: <laughs> Dead? <laughs> I remember that night I saw the Pacific Ocean get up and looked at me. It was at the Conway store and said, tonight I'm just going to do a jazz. Set.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm an estuary guy. I like brackish water. Lock the, lock the moat. <laughs> I
0: don't know. No, lock the locks.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's it. You said it, buddy.
2: Uh, you want to play the box office game? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, this film came out. January twentieth, nineteen eighty four. Okay. So it didn't come out like in I don't know. Right. You you see various like com you know concepts of when it came out. Right. It's it's listed as an eighty one movie, but it was eighty-four was the proper release. Yeah. It's not listed on box office mojo in any form. Well. But whatever. Right. I have this weekend. Probably made a dollar. Yeah, made a dollar too. Mm -hmm. Number one at Yon Box Office in nineteen eighty four is the film that won Best Picture. In 1983, it's been out for nine weeks and it's number one at the box office. I mean, this is a bygone era, of course, where movies would stick around for a very long time. Amadeus? No, I think that's 82's winner. Um, of course, I guess it hasn't won the trophy yet, but it's, it's a smash success. You know, it's going to win Best Picture in a couple months. not Gandhi, is it? No, I believe that's 80. No, Four? that's 82. That's 82. Maybe Amadeus is uh, 84? 84.
0: What's the one out. in between?
1: It's not out of Africa? No, I think that's like 85 or 6. Ordinary People is 80 on the nugget. Correct. Right? Yes, that's the one that beats Raging Bull. Right. And then Rain Man is later. That's like 88 or 89. 88 right. Last Emperor is like 87. Correct. You're, 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 Everything you're else narrowing. 80s. That's you're what I'm narrowing. trying to do. I'm trying to process elimination. Okay, other Best Picture winners of the 80s. Uh, Terms of Endearment? Correct. There we James go. James
2: L. Brooks' debut film, Terms of Endearment, which adjusted for inflation, has made $164 million in nine weeks on a budget of $8 million.
1: Uh, A dramedy
2: about cancer that played like
1: The Avengers. A
2: dramedy about cancer that is long, yeah. played like The Avengers, and uh, eventually grosses... Adjust 108, which adjusted, is 292 domestic. Yeah, that's insane. Whew. Um, So that's just chilling at the top. That's just fucking, it was
1: number one last week. Yeah. And guess what, Buster? Going to be number one again.
2: No, it's actually number two next week. Okay. Silkwood is number one last week. Oh, I just gave away (laughs) number three. So Silkwood rose. Silkwood rose. Yeah. what used to happen. That doesn't happen anymore. So Silkwood, well, tell me about Silkwood. Uh, that's number three Meryl yeah. Streep takes a shower she does she takes a disinfectant shower she's just she's revealing it's a Mike Nichols picture Kurt, Kurt Russell, Russell and Cher yeah. I've, never Kurt Russell, I've never seen it I've never seen it it's, it's,
1: a, it's Sh- like a a, a a worthy it's best. an illness picture right
2: Uh, well it's like it's like an Aaron Brockovich type picture right you know? Right. Like she's like revealing but uh, it's more dramatic kind of yes okay now number two uh, boy I don't know <laughs> Um, number two. Let me find out about this movie. It's a comedy
1: ski film. Comedy ski film? It's not called Ski Academy, is it? No, ski it's... Ski School? Does it have ski in the title? No, it's been out for two weeks.
2: Okay. It's going to eventually gross $20 million. It's not better off Dad, is it? I've never heard of this movie. Okay. Uh, it doesn't and star anyone. at the box office. Oh. Apparently, Shannon Tweed has a minor role. Okay. Okay. Um... It's a Peter Markle picture, the director of great movies like Breaking Point and nothing else. It's a Peter Markle picture. Um, comedy ski movie. According to Wikipedia, it's one of the iconic comedies of the 80s. Uh, okay. I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, the name is, a, is
1: a, a kind of food. Oh, is it Hot Dog the movie? Yeah, I know that. What is that? It's, it's a ski movie. <laughs> Peter Merkel picture. And what happens in it? No, I just remember seeing that video box and thinking it was funny that it was called Hot Dog the Movie. It's called Hot Dog dot dot dot. I didn't know it was a ski movie until now but I know that title well. Well, there you go. Hot Dog the Movie. Okay. That's That's what that is. Uh, Number four Mm -hmm. is
2: a sequel. I'm trying to I need to remember if it's like the fourth. Hot Dog the 2V? Oh, no, it's four. Okay. Uh, Let's see. It is the yeah, the fourth. I was correct. In a long running franchise of like crime. Dirty thrillers. Harry? Yes. The Enforcer? What's the fourth one, no. Sudden Impact? Yes. There we go. Which I believe is the one that was directed by Eastwood? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, which makes 67 million domestic. Big star. Uh, the fourth Dirty Harry movie, 184 adjusted. Yeah. Wow. Uh, is that the one with Do You Feel Lucky or
1: is that the second one? I think that's the second one. That's Magnum
2: Force, right? Uh, yeah, No, yeah. No, no. Do You Feel Lucky is the first one. This one is uh, Go Ahead, Make My Day. Okay. Do you and, think that was what they were like, let's do a fourth Dirty hair, yeah. and they were like, fuck, we don't have anything. Right. And some guy was like, how about he says, like, go ahead, make my day, and they're like, great. And then great, the Enforcer is, a break. I need a bath. <laughs> I am Dirty hairy. <laughs> Finally, he took his bath. Yeah. Number five is, uh, would you call this, a, it's, it's a musical. A uh, mm. big, big, like, old-fashioned
1: musical. Live action? Live action. That's a little horror house in Texas? No. Good guess. That would have been really impressive. Would have been really right?
2: impressive.
1: It was sort of like a, a a sort of hit,
2: but it was like this one of the biggest stars of the era coming back to the genre she was most famous for. Yentl? Correct. Yes, well done. Yentl, starring uh, Barbara Streisand. And uh, have you ever seen, I've never
1: seen Yentl. Directed uh, people by swear Barbara, by it. I, I, I always want to see that. Yeah, I don't too. know why I haven't. We're doing Streisand, of course, after. I would do Streisand. I would love There's to There's some Streisand. movies there. Four? The pro, the Pod of Tides? The <laughs> Prince of
2: Podcasts? I yeah. don't know. Uh, you've also got Uncommon Valor. The pod has two casts. That's it now we have to do it now we have to do it Ben
1: put it in the books okay so Tremino, then Becker then who's the other person I
2: don't know.
1: and then Streisand I don't know I don't remember uh, you've got Uncommon Valor which
2: is some action movie starring Gene Hackman cool sounds cool uh, Scarface with Pacino
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like I'm into it yeah an action movie <laughs> starring Gene Hackman <laughs> It's like, like that's the thing that we don't have anymore. It's like you'd never get an action movie starring like Paul Giamatti. I was gonna say Giamatti. You know?
2: Yeah, it's a war movie. Let me look at this fucking weird poster.
1: Ugh. He's like got a guy on his back. It's like, like a war movie. There's that great line that Patton Oswalt has about uh, uh, the Taking of Palom one two three. Uh-huh. Right? It's like when they remade that movie, it was like Who Can Save the Day. Denzel Washington right, and the original it's like there's only one guy who can save the day and the pants over and it's like Walter Matthau hung over in a cheap suit eating a stale hot dog wearing,
2: wearing like a yellow plaid like wearing oh, the craziest right. ensemble you ever did see try to
1: stop these criminals and
2: the score practically suddenly goes like do 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 like it's so great he was like an action star that movie's amazing uh, Gorky Park I've never heard of that. You never heard of Gorky Park? No, it's like a '80s thriller starring uh, William Hurt and a grizzled Lee Marvin, set in Russia. A big Hurt. Um, you've got the big chills hanging out. You got Christine. Uh, he was
1: really bringing the hurt. Yeah, Hurt. Yeah, well, hey, he's fucking hot at that. He was point. hot.
2: White hot. Uh, Christine, the uh, you know, killer car.
1: Sure, sure, sure.
2: So sure. those are your movies. Cool. I like movies. I like them too. Yeah.
1: Uh speaking of, let's do the Nolan uh top tens. Oh right, yes. So we forgot to do the Nolan top tens in On our, our episode, last. which was already running late. Uh running long, rather, because someone wouldn't hurry me up. <laughs> yeah, this is the thing, people. Um, <laughs> it's
0: so true.
1: <laughs> Jesus, David. Uh, uh, the-
2: maybe cut someone
1: off once yeah, in a while. <laughs> You know, okay, help a brother out. Say, what's the point? Get to the point every once in a while. Um, well, He's describing, like, the DVD extras on his Tiny Tunes box set or whatever. He's I talking about steel books. Extras. They're good extras. <laughs> Don't talk to me about steel books. I actually like steel books. I just think, you know.
2: No, you just got to keep them separate. Time keep, you them place, you keep them separated. You know, as the offspring told us. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um but uh, we both posted our, our tens on the Reddit, which should be uh incentive for all of you to go to the Reddit, which I think just cracked like six hundred. Five hundred, yeah. They're doing great over there. Okay, They've got well, five fifteen queer meetings. I'll be impressed once it's six hundred. All right, well, Reddit, 600. take note. Uh, uh, blankies.reddit.com. Yeah. Yeah. But we had also we had never had a guest on for the final episode of a miniseries. Is that true? So that like threw us off, I think, a little bit. Because like the wrap it up kind of stuff that we usually did. I guess
2: Avatar, no.
1: We never have a guest on for the first one or the last one.
2: Well, we do have a guest on for Roadies. Lane Montgomery. Oh, right. Which is sort of a, yeah. So we did have a guest for of Crow. You
1: are right.
2: Um, but you're I'm right. Mostly we don't. Mostly we don't. I'm thinking through, like the BFG weirdly couldn't get
1: anywhere for that. Although actually Joanna Robinson wanted really wanted to do, wanted it, to but, do but, uh, it. But yeah.
2: it was, the timing was weird.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nolan less. would you like to go first? Uh, sure. I'll go first. Here we go.
2: One, two, three. Eat in. Uh, The Prestige is your number one, so it's not mine. Nope. I was looking at your list. Okay. Interstellar, number one. <laughs> yep. My favorite Nolan movie. Probably not most people's number ones. So mm, nope. Number two, The Prestige. Cool. Number three, Memento. Memento. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number four, Dunkirk. Number five, Been Inception. their Exactly. Yeah. Benception. Benception. Number six, The Dark Knight. Number seven, Batman Begins. Number eight, Insomnia. Number nine, The Dark Knight Rises. I think it's different from yours, mm-hmm. but it is important to note that I
1: basically like every movie.
2: Oh, number 10 following.
1: So, right, yeah. which I would offer the same asterisk because a lot of people are going to. We both put The Dark Knight at six. Yeah, it's funny. When most people would be like, one, and even if it wasn't one, they would be like two. They would be like Springsteen at the start of a song. Right. Like right at the one,
2: start. One. No, two. <laughs> one. And then you would take the needle off the LP.
0: And I'm coming a dark night. Richard T. Joker's ben making just gave of the me town. a crisp
2: $100 bill for that joke. No, he didn't. He put his head in his hands like an embarrassed, he was ashamed of his son. Dark night. Live another day. It's like he just heard like a terrible Ok
1: Cupid date happening like at the table next to him, and he just he couldn't understand why someone would say something like that. Um I think a lot of people would think that us putting Dark Knight at number six is the Run Shade. I think it just speaks to how many of his films we like. Uh huh. You know, Uh that would be another director's uh two or three for me, right? But I I like more of his films. Uh, more than that, uh poorly structured sentence. Here's my top ten list. Number one, Prestige. No surprise there because David spoiled it. Thanks Sorry. a bunch. You do say it a bunch. Number two, Memento, which was the big grower for me on this rewatch. Uh, I had liked it, but I, I never liked it as much as everyone else. I, well, I you hadn't seen it, right? Like you seen it once. Yeah, sure. Uh, insomnia, which I think is crazy, underrated, and I also relate to very hard because it's a man who cannot sleep. Right. Batman Begins, I'm sorry, <clears throat> Bartman Begins, number four, Inception number five, Dark Knight number six, Dunkirk number seven, Interstellar number eight, following number nine, Dark Knight Rises number ten. Interstellar's too low. I like them all. Mm-hmm. And I have cited my issues with Interstellar. Yeah. And I have more of them than I have with Dunkirk, despite Dunkirk being a genre I don't like. Yeah. Um, but I like, I like those top eight movies a lot. Right. And then the bottom two I find interesting. I I agree. Now, someone asked me why I put following ahead of Dark Knight Rises, and it becomes this thing of like, would you rather a movie with very, very modest ambitions that executes all of them decently versus a film with insane ambitions that overreaches. Right. And sometimes hits moments of greatness. Right, 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 right. And so, yeah, it depends on the mood. Right. Depends on my mood. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, basis of the podcast. I love blank check films. I love people who are able to reach that far. Yes, um, as Darknet Rises does. I respect it in a lot of ways. I just don't think it's a very functional movie. No, it's hard to defend. Don't at me now. Yeah. Can I do a merchandise spotlight that I also forgot to do in our Dunkirk episode? Why not? Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motorcycles—they're for sale. Right. Because uh, as as was tweeted to us, I think you saw it, there, there are uh, interstellar action figures that were made that <laughs> have been clearanced and are still not selling. Yeah, they
2: look like they've been in a hibernation for a while. They're, Something went right. wrong.
1: It's it's McConaughey and They Half went away. through the black hole and they came back different. They're sold together with little cloth spacesuits, which don't look very good because uh, the spacesuits weren't make out, made out of uh, felt yeah, exactly. in the movie. Yeah, In the
2: movie, they were not. Uh also no tars? No tars, which, which is which is bizarre.
1: Give sell me a tars. a tars. Sell me a Tars, I yeah. would buy a Tars. Um, but they all have weird, frightening kind of looking paint jobs. Like the Hathaway one looks like she's uh like she's tripping. Yeah. Um but Dunkirk, a film that does not feel like it would have merchandise, a very austere adult right. film. Yes. Did what have got. a tie in promotion okay. with Hardee's Carls Jr. Sure. The national restaurant chain. Yep. Were outside of all of their restaurants for the month of July, they had little Dunkirk signs that apparently teenage girls were stealing from their lawns because uh, they love Harry so much and Mark Rylands. <laughs> um, but inside, with any large combo, you got a Dunkirk cup. You got a Dunkirk cup. Lo- sure. You get to eat a bacon Western cheeseburger. And then drink out of Fionn Whitehead's <laughs> silhouette. Yeah, I see it. Here it is. It's a Dunkirk cup. Now, this feels like a real strong rebranding for Carl's Jr. Hardy's he's going, we're not going for that petty kid's meal bullshit. Right. We're not going to give you some fucking toy or a Pokemon card. Absolutely We're going to give you cups of real legitimate adult art. Yeah. And that Dunker cup was available for a month. And you know what it was followed up by? What? Tick Cup, baby. Oh, there you go. So and for the next uh, week or so, if you go to Carl's and your hearties, well, no, I'm not on it. It's just the antenna. Oh, sure. That's cool. It has the antenna. It says drink in the justice. That's great. Yeah, cool. I got one. Yeah. It's t- it tastes like a cup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I got a large Sprite, and here was my review it was Sprite.
2: <laughs> I mean, they weren't proposing to change the st- cellular structure of soda. Cool if they did, though. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the Nolan rankings. Right, so that's our episode uh, on The Loveless, including <laughs> three merchandise spotlights and a Nolan ranking. I'll say that uh, Willem Dafoe should win an Oscar this year for the, the Florida Project. Do you think he has a chance of winning? No.
1: I've heard him tapped
2: as like, I a think major a contender. chance as, of a nomination. Yeah. Um, But it is actually kind of a low key performance, which is cool. Which is amazing, and it's amazing. It really is like some of his best work ever. I'm so but excited to see that movie. It lacks the sort of like Show-y major Oscar scene that you think yeah. he would probably need. And then I just heard all the reviews of Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour, where I, which is, I think, just two, year, two hours of him like farting on screen practically, just being like,
0: yeah.
2: so he, he's going to win an Oscar for yeah. most acting yeah, in exactly. a leading role. I mean, he probably is good. I, I don't but know. But isn't Defoe going to be positioned as supporting? I would say probably. Because yeah. even though he is, he's not the lead. Obviously, the girl is the lead. Yeah, he's in a lot of the movie, but mm-hmm. he, since he's mostly background, yeah, uh, there are some scenes where the where we sort of stick with him for a little while.
1: But a lot of it is more he's like coming in and being like, "Hey, what are you doing?" But Oldman is doing so much acting in Darkest Hour. I think they're going to give him all four acting. Yeah, trophies he's going to spill year. over like a walrus. You
2: know, it's just going to be like flabs of Oldman everywhere. <laughs> it's going to be like William Taft in his bath. <laughs> Hey, maybe Oldman will do Taft next. Yeah. Where, like one of our skinniest character actors just decides to play all the like
1: most famously yeah. like large world leaders. Yes. Uh, and then he's going to do a reboot of uh, Pie in the Sky, the Richard Griffiths uh, <laughs> pie making detective series that I've invoked before. Wait, was it called that? that I think the, it's called Pie in the Sky, right? Because uh, of course we talked about it. We talked about it. And I hope you all watch the trailer because yes. if you have pie in the Sky. look up Pie in the Sky Richard Griffiths. You will have a ball of a time. Now, not balls of a time, but a ball of a time. <laughs> he doesn't want to solve crimes anymore. He just wants to make pie.
2: <laughs> I mean, it is said that we lost Richard Griffiths before he, was... he could play uh, George R. R. Martin
1: <laughs> in the biopic. But Gary Oldman he can't replaced write a word. Yeah. He has, yeah, Gary Oldman's going to weigh in. I hope. I hope George R. R. Martin has not written a word of those two books. Oh, yes, very busy. Oh, can I say this? I just saw uh, Logan Lucky. I caught up with it. I was late. Mm. And everyone had misled me in the reviews of the movie. Because uh-huh. everyone was like, this movie is the best Game of Thrones joke of all time. It is the best Game of Thrones joke of all time, which is totally untrue. Yeah. It has the best Game of Thrones routine of all time. It's a great segment. It has like four minutes. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's really good, actually. Yeah. And Dwight Yoakam is amazing in that movie. Kills it. Uh, an actor that I laughed when he just showed up. Yeah. I mean, you, him just showing up is enough for me. Good but luck. then he has a great time in that. Brain. Good look,
1: good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think George R. R. Martin has written a word of those two books. <laughs> sure, good theory. I hope when he dies, prove me wrong, George. I hope he lives a long, long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I hope when he dies, they like crack open the notebook and they go like, okay, yeah, I guess now it's our job, you know, the estate. To finish the book. To see what kind of state the manuscript was in and finish editing it. And they open it up and it's just 500 pages of doodles.
2: It's all like, who would win in a fight? <laughs> Daenerys or, or um uh, The Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, all right. Well, then she would have the dragon, but uh, he's got the shadow <laughs> army. You know, <laughs> It's like 10 minutes of him sketching that out <laughs> like a pro and con list. Has not written a word. <laughs> Fantasy casting for, and like it's not even for Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I can't think of something, you know, for like my Dark Man reboot.
1: That's what I used to do. Me and my buddy Oliver, when we were bored in high school, we would pick a movie and then we'd go around the classroom and recast the movie with the people in our class. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good routine. It was a really fun game.
2: Oh, man. I was just thinking about how Adam Stanley might get rebooted, and I got really sad. I'm really worried about
1: it. Well... Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac's just sort of sitting there. Right. And then someone tweeted out someone who is a really good Morticia, and I can't remember who it is now. I can imagine there's someone. Someone tweeted out Oscar Isaac and... <sighs> you're not going to beat Raul Julia. No, he's so good. He left it all on the dance floor. He did? He really the ba- did. The babushka. Yeah. And, and more Mabushka. importantly, I think you're not going to beat Ricci. She's amazing. That's an incredible It, you, it is going to be hard to beat her.
2: Yeah. And you're not going to beat Barry Sonnenfeld's lighting style of Morticia where you only have lights on her eyes. He's a, he's a genius in that movie. Yeah, the way he set that movie up is incredible.
1: Yeah. His first four movies, it really felt like, man, we're cooking with gas here. This guy's got to keep knocking him out of the park. Yep. And then he didn't. Anyway, tune in next week for our Barry Sonnenfeld miniseries. I do
2: want to do him one day.
1: Yeah, it just gets more and more unpleasant. The I know, the vacation up. just really goes off the rails. The it RV run, goes off it the runs, rails. It runs away. Yeah, it's a runaway vacation.
2: Yeah. You get in big trouble with that one. Yeah. How long can I do this?
1: (laughs) Yes. And and the problem is, you know, you think he's going to run out of chances, but apparently this guy's got nine lives. Oh, no. Uh, And then one day though, we're all going to be the Pushing Daisies pilot. I don't know. Then the ground Pushing Daisies. And if I'm wrong about that, you can call me Men in Black 3.
2: (laughs) Ben, what's our running time? Yeah, great. 135 it's, it's, or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's going to
1: cut that down to 14 minutes. It's going to be great.
2: Four, four. Cut it, print it. <laughs> Out of here. Yeah. Thank
1: you very much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Yes. Go to reddit.blankies.com or, yeah, blankies.reddit.com or whatever the fire reddit blankies.reddit.com. 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 blankies.reddit.com for some nerdy shit. Now, I've seen an argument in the Reddit. They're arguing over which nerdy shit they think I'm referring to. Spoiler, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> they were uh, like, maybe it was that one post. Start with the it.
2: article at the top and go to
1: the article at the bottom. Yep. Bunch of nerds and I love you. I'm one of you. Oh, we love them. But it's some real nerdy shit. Yes. Big thanks to Ange Ferguda for her social media, Lay Montgomery for our theme song, Patrick Reynolds and Joe Bowen for our artwork. Ange just posted an amazing tweet, actually. She's a genius. She's sure a on. genius. Yep. She's a genius. Um... And uh, 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 next week, tune in for uh, Near Dark. Yeah, vampires. Excited for that. Vampires, vampires. Indeed. Daily reference. Uh, Tune in for that. And as always, treat yourself nice and let your balls take a little nap on a butt. Thank you.